This prescription is a very unusual one, with very special ingredients. I can't remember all of them, but I know they include the coal of a firstborn child, a ginseng root shaped like a man with leaves still on it, a turtle-sized polygonum root, and lycopodon from the stump of a thousand-year-old pine tree. another installation of rereading the stone we got a really great episode for you today this is chapter 28 a crimson cummerbund becomes a pledge of friendship and a chaplet of medicine beads becomes a source of embarrassment uh i'm kevin wilson joined as always by william jones will how are things you know it's a miserable day here in hong kong so, uh, oh, really? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah, no. It's revolting outside. It's, <laughs> I, I got to say, it's a perfect day here in Southern California. Well, uh, it's not too hot. Um, I went for a really nice walk. There's like birds chirping. Um, spring is in the air. It kind of suits the, uh, like the mood of this chapter, which is very uh, jovial overall. Right? I know what you mean. So, I'm, I'm disappointed to hear that. Uh, you're having a kind of a divergent experience. Sadly, so yeah. But you know, <laughs> even though it doesn't it doesn't match the tone of the chapter, we can uh, we can get by, I'm sure. Well, yeah, maybe the 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 fantasy can sustain you until the reality uh, returns. Let's hope so. <laughs> so it's a. <laughs> so how about we we do our usual recap and uh, a review of this chapter? and then kind of move into general impressions. So, last time in chapter 27, we had just started volume two of the English translation. Um, and we pick up with mm, mm. Uh, Lian Dayu, um, one of the, the main female characters in the novel. Uh, and she's sitting outside the, the gate of the house of her, her cousin and love interest, uh, Jia Baoyu. She's sitting outside his gate crying quietly because um, it's it's the evening time. She's come round to pay him a visit and she's been refused entry by the servants. And the real reason is that the um, the servants don't want to let her in because they don't want to have to then subsequently wait on her while she's visiting. But she thinks that Bayou has deliberately excluded her. Uh, anyway, she's sitting there crying quietly. The gate creaks open and out comes Bayou and his other female cousin, Bao Chai, with their servants. Uh, Bao, Yu, uh, Bao Chai departs and Bao Yu returns inside. Dai Yu returns to her room to weep bitter tears alone. Um, the next day is uh, it's a 
folk festival, the festival of grain in ear, which is the, the kind of traditional beginning of the summer. So all of the women of the household are dressed up in these very splendid, glorious colors, and the trees and flowers and everything are all decorated themselves. Uh, the only person absent is Dayu, who's still in bed. So Bao Chai, her cousin, goes to find her. Um, but when she arrives, she hears Dayu and Bao Yu within the, within the house talking. And so she decides to leave them to it. Uh, instead, she, she goes off chasing a pair of uh, huge jade-colored butterflies. Um, but eventually she grows tired of it and gives up. Um, and she finds herself just next to a, um, a enclosed pavilion. And inside she can hear voices. And it's two maidservants uh, talking in hushed tones about uh, the romantic affair that one of them is having with a, a man named Jia Yun. Um, so Bao Chai is nearly discovered eavesdropping, but she manages to escape by way of a kind of cunning trick. Um, at that point, one of the two servants, um, a girl named Crimson, is uh, summoned by uh, Wang Xifeng, who is um, one of the most important women of the, of the household. And she asks her just to take a, a message for her to another part of the house and to pick up something from her room. Crimson manages to do a good job of this, and Xifeng invites her to be part of her staff. Um, in the meantime, our protagonist, Baoyu has, as we know, been to visit his, his cousin and love interest, uh, Dayu. But although he has tried to talk to her, she's basically ignored him because, you know, it, it's in her character that she's very kind of... Um, she's rather extreme in her emotions, I suppose. Um, she's rather intense in her emotions. So instead, he goes to speak to his half-sister, Tan Chun, and they discuss various kind of family matters and things. Um and then Tantrun goes off, leaving Baoyu to himself. Um, he sees some, some fallen flower petals in the garden, and so he decides to gather them up and bury them, as Dayu once taught him. And so he heads in the direction of the flower's grave that she, shows, that, uh, she showed him. Uh, and as he approaches near, he hears a distant voice singing sorrowfully. Um, and when he begins to make out the lyrics, they're so sad that he himself falls to the floor, weeping and that's where we leave off the chapter so in the beginning of chapter 28 we pick up again with Bayu on his hands and knees weeping painfully um Dayu overhears and she sees that it's him uh, and sneaks off he eventually kind of pulls himself together and goes to um and while walking he sees Dayu ahead of him uh, he catches up with her and um, he makes this very impassioned speech about how she's quite within her rights to be angry or upset with him, but begs her not to ignore him because that's kind of the most intense suffering for him if she does that. So then later we have a, a scene with um, Baoyu, his mother, Lady Wang, and others um, where uh, they're discussing medicine and Baoyu uh, makes this suggestion that they they concoct some elaborate and frankly ridiculous sounding um, medicine. Uh, later on, he goes off for dinner with um, his cousin, Xuepan, um, and a couple of other uh, characters, including the, the son of a general named Feng Ziying, and uh, an actor and a prostitute. Um, 
and um, while at dinner, um, Bayou proposes a drinking game involving, you guessed it, poetry composition. So everyone present uh, manages the the manages to like uh, complete the game, except for Xuepan, who we've previously acknowledged as one of the kind of real bad characters of the novel, and here further kind of proves that he's kind of um, oafish and, and uh, <laughs> crass, I suppose. Um, and while at the party, Bayou meets one of the other guests, uh, an actor, and uh, in a gesture of friendship, they end up swapping belts. Um, when he gets home, he speaks to his his maidservant, Aroma, uh, and realizes that the belt that he swapped didn't belong to him. It was actually hers. So she is naturally enough quite annoyed at this. Uh, in order to make it up to her, he tries to give her the belt that he received from this actor, but she rejects this offer. Then, towards the end of the chapter, um, some gifts arrive from uh, the Imperial Palace from uh, Yuan Chun, who is one of the daughters of the household and is now an Imperial concubine. Um, essentially, the, as we'll explain, the, these uh, gifts cause a fight between Baoyu and Daiyu. Uh, which is then interrupted by Balchai, um, and Balu is temporarily kind of transfixed by Balchai's beauty uh, until Dayu flicks him in the eye with her handkerchief, and in that moment the chapter ends. Right. So we got a lot of things to talk about this chapter. Uh, there's a lot of like subtle got ground to cover. Yeah. Uh, there's some subtle kind of um, foreshadowing that's occurring, especially with um, the incident uh, surrounding the uh, the female impersonator. Uh, John Yuhan, um, and it's kind of an interesting, some interesting sociological material. Uh, uh, some pretty funny scenes. Uh, it seems like every time Shrepan uh, is involved, there's going to be some kind of uh, dark humor. Yeah. Although this time, at least, it's at his expense. Um, but it is really like it's the scene where he's struggling to. Uh, come up with a kind of a, a poetic response, and he just he just uh, like uh, for the most part uh, produces these you know like extreme vulgarities. Uh, I think <laughs> yeah had me you know laughing out loud literally. Um, yeah. And uh, there's also toward the end, yeah, toward the end, there's a the scene between uh, Bao Yu and uh, uh, Bao Chai is kind of a iconic scene that we have to sort of highlight. Yeah. Because uh, it's, it's sort of a critical uh, transformation in how Bao Yu uh, views uh, Bao Chai, um, partly uh, a consequence of the imperial concubine, uh, you know, uh, Yuan Chun, uh, who seems to have, uh, it seems to be signaling um, her desire for Bao Yu uh, to consider, uh, or, or for uh, for Bao Chai to be considered, you know, a more eligible partner in marriage, right? Mm. So the uh, the wheel is sort of um, already in motion. Yeah, absolutely. The 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 sort of strings are beginning to be pulled, aren't they? Any what 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 are your like general impressions? I um I really thought it was fascinating to see the um depiction of a dinner party uh of the of the era um 
you know everyone yeah, kind of yeah. letting their hair down doing what they do for fun basically um and uh, i think in some ways it's it's quite relatable but in some ways it's very um unfamiliar i suppose um, oh yeah you know i'm envious of it i, I think I think we can learn a lot from this kind of um, this form of entertainment. You know, we got to maybe like put away our board games and like start using, you know, return to kind of this like uh, space between, you know, creating art and playing games that they're doing. Yeah. Uh, so re like reject, reject Netflix. Maybe. Reject yeah. Netflix. Like, embrace. Turn off. Embrace. Um, <laughs> Embrace tradition. Uh, embrace. Embrace. Embrace poetry composition. Yeah, maybe. Um, Amazing. Yeah. And it's also kind of it's a little bit democratizing in in a way. It's not like you know you're not like uh, turning on the TV and uh, getting the establishment poet, you know, kind of uh, talking down to you, which I, mm. I think like sort of has alienated a lot of people from just the idea of being poetic. Yeah. Uh, with the exception of you know actually like something like uh maybe hip-hop culture it, it seems to be like one you know one uh element of kind of uh rhyming and, and poetry that s has persisted in the face of um i don't know like the elite commodification of of culture or of uh of poetic culture i guess it's also folk music right yeah i, I guess um, it's it's yeah this is a good example of um like prestige and social capital being attached to like talent in poetry in a way that we don't always see uh nowadays yeah and, and actually uh, we, we see how it kind of transitions into a song form w with the way that uh that bao yu has like structured the game so like first yeah they, we'll get into this um I we'll don't get into it yeah yeah let's let's much. let's let's dive into the text and and mm -hmm. um and that way we can get around to talking it okay yeah about it soon so we <clears throat> we left Bayou, uh in the garden, petals scattered everywhere, on his hands and knees, you know, weeping with sadness. Uh, and, and what is it really that set him off? He's having the thing that I guess everyone has when they're um, uh, young, which is you know when you're when you're a child or a teenager, which is that like first kind of conscious awareness of uh, mortality, of your own mortality, but also of the mortality of other people that you care about, and the possibility that one day they could just cease to exist not be there anymore um and you know the reason he's thinking of this is because he's overheard these the lyrics to the song sung by Ayu that she seems to have i'm not sure whether it's taken from somewhere else or if she's just composed it on her own right there um but they're very uh i guess kind of morbid obsessed with death um and yeah this morbidity i suppose um causes Bayou himself to think of think of death um and the death of those that he loves and this is very upsetting to him right um and actually he starts to make enough of a commotion that uh he attracts uh Dayu's attention and uh she was worried at first that it might have been one of the girls uh who was overhearing her and maybe uh kind of like uh sadistically uh you know, enjoying her display of um, of sorrow. Yeah. But w when she finds out that it's Bao Yu, she's, her reaction is sort of um, something else, mm -hmm. right? Like kind of, um, 
it's hard to how would you name it i, I kind of disdain <laughs> it's a little bit yeah uh, an interesting kind of psychological space um, yeah it provokes <clears throat> exactly a, a disdain like a yeah it's kind of probably something like hatred but in the way that that kind of emotion often comes is often felt most strongly against people that you care about very deeply um i guess it's i guess yeah. it's kind of like that right she yeah yeah in the hawks she uses the term hateful to describe him and and at that point she you know cuts herself off short you know she's she's kind of shocked at her own at her own train of thought um oh. um but in the chinese she uses this term uh duan ming which is literally like short short-lived short life but really it's kind of like a devil or, or rascal kind of kind of character but maybe she herself is aware of the same thing of of um like the awareness <clears throat> the awareness or like consciousness of the like mortality of of people she cares about i guess and so she kind of runs off doesn't she mm. i mean th this kind of sets off the, the the general sort of uh ebb and flow of the kind of the the, the bao yu dai yu uh dance that occurs in this chapter where it, it's it's uh it's constantly like bao yu pursuing and she is um resisting and deflecting and kind of um yeah not responding and uh maybe I, i'm not sure I, i'm not sure what the term is for it's not it's not playing hard to get it's it's more complex than that i think yeah you know it, it's interesting it's it's really hard to like put a label on what she's doing maybe a psychologist could though i, I think it's that he is himself very kind of like clumsy and pig-headed but kind of earnest incredibly so yeah but but earnest nonetheless, and she is very uh, smart and particularly quite emotionally intelligent. Um, he, and it's he's maybe, a silly goose, yeah, as we're going to find out later in the chapter. But maybe to an extent, she's frustrated that he doesn't have the same level of emotional intelligence. Um, he's less able to yeah. divine and understand others' feelings. Yeah, it's really interesting because he's also later in the chapter going to sort of completely uh, not divine and understand. Uh, the the female impersonator uh Zhang Yuhan who whose like feelings toward uh Hua Xiren are going to be expressed in a way that's not entirely uh like like you know subtext it's like partial subtext partial the the iceberg is like poking out to the extent that even uh in in a kind of strange way we'll, we'll see that um Shrepan sort of Cats it by accident almost. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, there's a funny, yeah. But again, I'm preempting. Um, before that, we got to talk about. Um, I mean, long story short, uh, I think I think it's the next day that they um, they have a conversation with uh, it's it's Bao Yu, Dai Yu, uh, and uh, Bao Yu's mother, uh, Lady Wang, um, and and there's kind of a an amusing sort of short scene where, where Bao Yu, um, he's, he's kind of teasing his mother and, and maybe even in a way like seeing whether he can uh, like wring some money out of her. Although I, I don't think he's really serious in that intent. Um, but he is teasing her about this like kind of uh, fabulous traditional kind of Chinese elixir, elixir that, he's, um, that he's heard of. Am, am I like am I setting the scene properly? I think yeah, he does a um, he does a kind of a good job of like poking fun at 
like the medicine of the time, right? Uh, or 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 some of the more kind of like obscure, um, uh, elaborate ones. Um, I mean, what? How do they get onto talking about it? It's because they're saying, um, you know, I think Lady Wang has offered uh, Dai Yu some particular medicine, um, and so they get to talking about. You know, Lady Wang says the doctor was telling me about some pills, which I think you know sounded like they could be useful. But I can't remember the name. Um, and Balu starts listing off all of these pills. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> he's like, I know the names of all of them. Uh, it was probably you know ginseng tonic pills. No, what about eight gem motherwort pills or uh, Doctor Tsui's Adafenora? <laughs> Adenophora kidney pills? I have no idea. <laughs> Yeah, this um, section is as difficult in the English as in uh, the original Chinese. Yeah. Um, Hawks has kind of um, preserved the uh, kind of absurd uh, erudition of the original, the, 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 the comical. Um, it, it really seems here that uh, Bao Yu is kind of uh, voicing the author's own uh, deep suspicion of this entire kind of medical practice. You've um, been, uh, yeah, you've been quite uh, like a, uh, <laughs> I'd say like a, when we've discussed it, you've been, you've come down firmly uh, against uh, the side of like uh, traditional Chinese medicine, right? Well, I mean, the best uh, defenses I've heard basically come down to like, well, what about the placebo effect? And it's like, well, I mean, generally placebos don't have trace levels of mercury or whatever the case may be. <laughs> you know? um, they don't have, uh, that's allegedly. I don't want to get like, can you imagine if we got like sued by the like, TCM <laughs> industry or something? That would be the most uh, unfortunate, but uh, kind of funny like outcome of doing this podcast. Um, um, allegedly, there are some, <laughs> you know, kind of um, problems in the production of, you know, it's it's not a, uh, there's a whole, whole history of uh, like famous, um, like Chinese thinkers uh, having their lives shortened through um, consumption of various, you know, immortality uh, elixirs, uh, most famously probably uh, Li Bai. Mm -hmm. Uh, he probably lost like ten years or something. Oh, really? Uh, th you know, th through these various like like, in his case, it was actually like literal like yes, these are mercury pills, and they will grant me immortality because mercury is cool, and if you put it in a pill, that makes the pill cool. <laughs> you know, <that's, laughs> I don't want to like reduce it the logic <laughs> too much, but that's not like too far off. Um, in that way, following in the footsteps. Um, by some accounts of the first, um, mm. you know, the first Qin emperor, uh, Qin Shi Huangdi. Uh, and so, yeah, and, and so, you know, you got this issue with, we, we saw in the cold open, um, there are some interesting kind of properties that are being highlighted, but also um, by the author, um, uh, satirized. And so like the, the, the ginseng root shaped like a man, right? Uh, which which goes back to this like long-standing tradition of uh, like the the belief that that ginseng looks like human beings and and, and it has this um sort of uh, sympathetic magic capacities. You consume the essence. You, your your essence is reborn, right? Right. So if you want to improve your your vision, you got to eat fish eyes. You know, because fish have I guess good vision. Uh, and, and this is 
this is still a practice, and I'm not going to go into all the details there. Um, uh, all right. So while while Baoyu is talking about like ridiculous forms of Chinese medicine, he tries to get some kind of support from Bao Chai and from Dai Yu, um, but neither of them are willing to verify his ridiculous claims. And finally, Xi Feng pipes up, um, and she says that recently um, she ran into uh, Xue Pan, um, who had been given a recipe for a particular form of medicine. Um, we don't know exactly which one. Um, but he'd been given a recipe for a particular form of medicine by Bao Yu, and one of the ingredients was, um, originally, the ingredient was pearls from the corpse of a long-buried noblewoman. Uh-huh. But, yeah, because that's impractical and has various other ethical um, considerations attached to it, he said as a replacement he could just take a, a pearl from a living noblewoman instead. And so Xu Pan had gone up to Xifeng to ask if he could take one of the pearls off her necklace. And so yeah, and so she she's able to verify his his ludicrous claims. But I mean, the whole th- the whole scene is just yeah. I think you're right. It probably is a a way of the author kind of like satirizing a lot of the the ideas and kind of assumptions of um of medicine. Not not necessarily of the entire like school of tr- Chinese traditional medicine writ large, but maybe particular niche esoteric, rather quackish. Um, aspects of and it. you know this isn't by the way this isn't like particular to um I, i'm always anytime we have these kind of um these moments i always want to remind people that similar kind of um critiques in literature are occurring uh, also in, in western contexts like for instance this is a big part of uh, madame bovary which you know uh is published much later than this is this it's like long-standing criticism of um like quack medicinery uh, there's one character who's flat-footed and, and as a, a consequence of his, like this kind of like absurd surgery that is performed by, um, I believe performed by Madame Bovary's uh, doltish husband, if I'm remembering correctly, uh, he dies, right? And, and so this is like a, a big part of that, uh, that novel is this like, this like skepticism toward, you know, traditional French medicine, let's say. <laughs> Indeed. Um, traditional European medicine, well known for killing the patient as often as, as and, and so i i don't want to yeah i don't, I don't want to um uh you know orientalize the critique yeah yeah so that's that's always a way to kind of make this these conversations uh more balanced during the scene um as we mentioned bali looks for he looks for confirmation from bao chai and from daiyu right and bao chai basically says uh, she comes out and says it. She says, no, I, I don't know. I really don't know what you're talking about, you know. Um, whereas Dayu doesn't say anything. She just gives him a, a look, a mocking look, and she strokes her cheek with her finger, which in their kind of sign language means you're lying, you know, and I know you're lying kind of thing. And so then once Shifeng does back him up on it, he then calls Dayu out for, for having implied he was lying. Um, and this, of course, pisses her off all over again. And and so, you know, the whole cycle uh, repeats itself. Um, and, and so then there, there's a few kind of um, uh, interve- intervening details. Um, there's a matter of, you know, who eats lunch with whom. In the interest of time, we can probably skip over that. 
Um, the next major thing on my mind is the the tea party or the you know the the party with uh, Feng Xing. Uh, am I forgetting anything though? I don't think so. I mean, look, there's this weird little scene where, for some reason, Bao Chai has to go and help Xi Feng. Oh no, Bao Yu has to go and help Xi Feng write down a list of items. Oh um, right. What's the what's the What's the point of that? <laughs> yeah. I, I don't understand what that's for. Yeah, I'm looking for that right now. Yeah, it's basically... It, you know, this is a little bit interesting only because you get a, a nice glimpse of um, all, all the marvelous uh, like fabric uh, that is being sort of recorded. You know, it's kind of a historical artifact in a way of the different sorts of sort of the most luxurious uh, fabrics uh, of the time, um, and so that's kind of interesting. You know, you, you the uh, when the hawks is rendered the uh, imperial gauze. You know, um, the crimson lining damask. Am, am I pronouncing that right? Damask. I think so. Yeah, damask. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, uh, and she also, Xi Feng also takes this opportunity to ask, you know, to confirm with Bao Yu that it's okay that that this servant of his crimson comes to work for her instead. Okay, that's also important, uh, right? And it's amazing because he seems to almost have forgotten who Crimson is. Um, whereas, I mean, I guess surprisingly, because he had spent, you know, at least a day or two sort of like thinking about her. He had noted that she was um, sort of, um, she she was attractive, even though uh, she was had, had a relatively unadorned sort of... Um, style you know she wasn't heavily made up like the other maids um and he actually searches for her kind of um covertly one day uh by like pretending to be looking at uh the garden right um but it seems it's almost as if at this stage in the story he'd already forgotten her more or less yeah. and he was yeah. more or less indifferent maybe it's another kind of critique of his of his character yeah, his character. Um, yeah. There's one other detail from this exchange, which I think is maybe just worth mentioning briefly, which is that he's writing for her. I, I think Xi Feng is uh, illiterate, um, because there was another scene where she has one of the servants read something to her. Um, huh. I, I, and again, it's not ex kind of explicitly stated, but I think that that's what, what's being implied here, which would, I guess wouldn't be that surprising. Illiteracy was much, much lower overall, huh. but still still kind of interesting in a way to we me. should look into that I, i'm not entirely sure but that might be true um it, it seems i mean why would they not teach her how to yeah it's spec it is how it's to read. somewhat worried about about my yeah, part, it's like extreme but, but yeah right um huh it might just be a matter of her kind of um using the opportunity to uh to control the situation, you know, she likes to order she likes people to, order to people do around. things, yeah. right? Um, so telling someone to write something down for you is is sort of a, a, a you know like a test and demonstration of your of yeah. your willpower. Yeah, your willingness to do uh, stuff. Maybe some, something going on there. <laughs> um, it's a long story short. There's some there's some details here that we're not really going to talk too much about. But uh, as promised, uh, Bao Yu and the gang is invited to uh, Feng Zing's uh, residence. They were 
promised a, a kind of tale? Yeah, back in chapter 26, so two chapters ago, um, we had this dinner scene where um, Baoyu is invited to have dinner with his cousin Xuepan and others. Uh, it's a kind of celebration of Xuepan's birthday. And while there, yeah, this character, Feng Ying, who is what we think he's youngish, you know, I think he's probably early 20s, something like that. Um, he's the son of a general, um, quite an important general as well, you know, um, some particularly high up. And he was sporting a black eye at the time. Um, uh, and he said that he, <clears throat> yeah, he'd received it uh, while hunting from having a, a one of the hunting falcons, I think, one of the birds they use for hunting, having flicked him in the eye with its wing, which I remember at the time sounded completely preposterous. Um, but yeah, at the time he couldn't stay and tell them the full extent of the story because he had to rush off, but he said that very soon he would have them all around for a... And so this is a really remarkable dinner. scene because as you mentioned uh, in the... Uh, I think in your opening remarks, we get a really nice view here of what uh, potentially a elite dinner party might have looked like um you know in the Qing dynasty yeah um maybe I, I should read some yeah there's there is just one thing I want to look at really quickly before we dive into the dinner party which is when Baoyu is being gathered up by his you know his 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 manservant tea leaf has um been sent round to gather him and he he asks a, another passing servant this is tea leaf. He asks another passing servant to take a message for him. And she responds, Your mother's twat. Master's Bao lives, uh, sorry, Master Bao lives in the garden now. All his maids are in the garden. What do you want to come running around here for? Basically, like what, like, and, um, uh, you know, in the Chinese, it's pei, fang ni niang de qi, uh, fang ni niang de pi. Basically, so it's like, um, yeah. yeah, it's a nice, like, yeah, a nice uh, historical uh, vulgarity uh, <laughs> preserved as if in amber, you know, for us to re resurrect and, and to, uh, yeah, like add to some kind of like a Jurassic Park of, of vulgarity. I just mentioned it because it provides like a, a little bit of color in terms of the relationship between the different servants in the household, the different members of the household. Although, but there's a sense, oh, I kind of cut you off a little bit, but there's a sense that um, it's not exactly as mean as it sounds because uh, I think Tea Leaf's response is equally vulgar but directed toward himself. I, I think it's there almost to um, the author's kind of uh, musing upon uh, the use of vulgarity uh, at this stratum of society. Did you get that sense? Or or do you think it really was this kind of, um, you know, this like abrasiveness? Yeah, yeah. I took it simply as kind of a, a cultural difference, you know, a or, or rather, you know, a, a economic cultural I don't difference. Think it, I don't think it's intended to be um, like genuinely hurtful or insulting. But it's, yeah, it's like, okay, a, you're yeah. right, it's a okay, coarseness. Yeah. It's a, like a, a coarse quality to this particular servant's speech. Um, yeah, definitely. I, I would agree. I, I also took note of that, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it reminded me a little of Granny Liu, uh, her kind of, um, her style of of speaking a little bit. I, I yeah. think she had similar 
kind of um, uses of uh, you know more colorful expressions. <laughs> indeed, indeed. All right, so so the dinner party. Tell us tell us about <coughs> who is in attendance. My kind of preface here is before I read the the Hawks translation, is that uh, Hawks really pulls the punches <laughs> in, in a lot of uh, in a lot of ways. He makes things very euphemistic, whereas in the original it's just like well, I'll read the Hawks, then I'll like just talk about the original. So, uh, so who's in attendance? Um, we have you know we have Shrepan, who apparently uh, had been there already for some time. You almost imagine the uh, the one guest who comes too early and stays too late a little bit. Um, uh, a number of boy singers, a female impersonator called uh, Jiang Yuhan, and a girl called... I think it's pronounced Nuages. Nuages, which I think is, is French. Yeah. Uh, it's simply Yuar, uh, cloud in the original, so... Yeah, and actually, nuages <laughs> means something like cloudy in French. Yeah, um, I, I, I looked it up, yeah. Yeah, um, you are. From the Budding Grove. Uh, and Hawks has it as a, a high-class establishment specializing in female entertainers. Uh, but in the original, it's just, she's just a prostitute. It's just directly stated. And so I was looking at the Hawks translation. Like, why are you doing this? Yeah. Just, just say it, man. I mean, but, at, at this point, we've seen yeah. we've seen so much. We can handle I, well, it. I think that, I, I think two reasons. One is that you know this is the background that Hawks comes from is one of um, often you can use euphemism, but your meaning can be extremely clear. Like, you know, if you use the term establishment. You know, a high class establishment, and if you use the term female entertainer, you know, uh, <laughs> I think to Hawks himself that would have been extremely clear um, exactly what the okay. meaning was. Um, but, but that's I just think is <laughs> like a cultural thing, right? It's the particular setting in which he in which he lived. But I think one other thing is worth observing, which is that I don't want to be too kind of dismissive here. Like Yunar Nuages, she is a I, I think what you might traditionally call like a courtier she's she reminds me for want of a better example for want of a better example she rather reminds me of the character um oh what is she called it's the character played by nicole kidman in the film moulin rouge um <laughs> oh. which um which is to say she's she fulfills these kind of like multiple different roles she is uh you know a good singer She's a talented musician. Um, she is capable of like being kind of entertaining and good company for like a single person for a whole group, and then yeah, she sleeps with people for money. Maybe comparable to like a Japanese geisha. I, I don't know if I'm misrepresenting. I, I don't think uh, it's that an tradition. unfair. I don't think it's unfair. Yeah, I don't think it's an unfair comparison. I think that like they're distinct, but they're the. I think many of the like fundaments maybe somewhat similar yeah right um yeah and actually we see some of that um you know in, in her in her songs and, and even in the content of her songs like her aspirations seem to be uh to achieve um more of a like straightforwardly performative uh um kind of social role and less of this personal you know this kind of private entertainment which um 
for you know it seems to be uh, often kind of associated with and becomes entangled with uh, things like sexual uh, services. So we have those three: uh, Xue Pan, uh, Jiang Yuhan, and uh, Yunar, the uh, New Azures. Uh, and we also have Bao Yu, of course, and Feng Ziying, the host. So it's the five of them. Yeah, so that's a nice, little, uh, a small group. Uh, um, and of course, you know, it doesn't take long for, like, Shrepan is clearly the least, uh, like, civilized of the group. Um, <laughs> and everyone has, you know, like, a, a palpable disdain for him. Um uh and it begins with him sort of trying to uh coax songs out of uh out of Yunar. Uh I think her song is interesting because it's uh it speaks of um like two uh male prospects. Uh and the way I read it, and I think this is kind of the standard reading, is that one of these is maybe the less uh, con convincing of the prospects is Shrepan, who we uh, we find out through his various remarks that he has a history with this uh, courtesan, and um, you know, and he has some kind of um, presumptions upon her, let's say, uh, and 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 the second, you know. Uh, prospect is a little bit less clear right maybe it's Lung Zixing maybe it's in her mind you know the real prize here is probably Bao Yu right who, who has um uh you know who has the high the highest status and it probably also has the best looks and you know a generally agreeable uh disposition right how, how what was your read of of her song it kind of sets the whole tone for the evening, right? Because it's um, explicitly about like romantic and sexual affairs, um, and it's vaguely suggestive, and it's um, yeah, I think generally quite at odds with the accepted kind of norms or conventions of society at the time. So, how about rather than uh, tease it further, would you like? <laughs> should I read it really quickly? It's not too long. Yeah, sure. So this is. This is Yunar's uh, kind of opening uh, song, which she is um, singing uh, to while also uh, playing the lute. Um, so, uh, two lovely boys are both in love with me, and I can't get either from my mind. Both are so beautiful, so wonderful, so marvelous. To give up either one would be unkind. Last night I promised I would go, to meet one of them in the garden where the roses grow. The other came to see what he could find. And now that we three are all here in this tribunal, there are no words that come into my mind. So another, you know, another nice uh, Hawks rendering. Yeah, he's captured some of the um, kind of lyrical quality of it because <coughs> in the Chinese it doesn't follow that strict uh, pattern in the same way as a lot of other poems do of being you know, it must be five characters per line or it must be seven characters per line kind of thing. I guess the only uh, kind of uh, fault in my interpretation is that Shrepan really isn't a lovely boy. <laughs> He's really kind of a, a grotesque sort of figure. Uh, although I guess we haven't really been, 
we haven't learned too much about his physical appearance, have we? So maybe maybe he is. Yeah, it's. <clears throat> we know that his character is pretty dire, but he may well be. You know, maybe like physically, yeah. he's not um, entirely reprehensible uh, or, or objectionable. Let's say. And so, yeah, I think I think that kind of captures this. The, the the poem the song kind of captures the spirit right she she's pursuing like parallel relationships with two men and it seems that they didn't know about each other but now they do she's been kind of caught in the act um and so each has discovered the other's existence um and 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 at this moment when she's discovered she finds herself speechless literally unable to Unable to say, and it's actually at this moment. So the original, like the original game, so to speak, was going to be, you know, uh, she sings a song, and then if it's good and if Shrepan likes it, he'll he'll have a drink, <laughs> which is which is not even a game. It's just it's this pure sort of, um, you know, like yeah. only slightly moderated uh, indulgence. And yeah. so uh, to his credit, Bao Yu intervenes, and he uh, establishes new rules for the the party. Uh, and he improves the scene dramatically. So this is this is uh, kind of Baoyu in his moment. I, I think Baoyu is uh, well suited for um, these kinds of. Um, he, he's I think he's good at like in his element. I think in his yeah. element, absolutely, yeah. Unlike you know, which is a, a contrast with earlier, his 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 dealings with Daiyu are just like just this like uh, like bumbling upon bumbling upon. You know, it's just constantly dropping the ball. Uh, this like this pure thumbs, you know, no no grace. Uh, it's almost as if he needs he, his his like personality needs these um kind of defined rules in which a kind of something like the 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 artistry uh, emerges for him. Um, so that's that's how about I give the rules really quick? So yeah, sure, sure. And so basically, he chooses uh, four words, and so it's basically. They're composing uh, songs about girls, and you know what? He, he, maybe he's uh, he's just got off from uh, like trying to figure out what Daiyu is all about, and so maybe this is still in his mind, and and he's um, thinking about the kinds of things that uh, like girls want. So this is you know, if you want to give a, a feminist reading of this, this is the uh, the moment of uh, male projection. But also, you know, the 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 male uh, investigation of the the quote unquote other, you know. Yeah, there there is <coughs> there, there is quite a lot of male projection, as we will see. But uh, yeah, continue. <laughs> and actually, I, I was thinking, you know, for some of these games, it would be fun if if you if uh, if you and I participated and we we wrote our own like little like poems. But for this one, I, I think we should sit we should sit out. You know, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. If that makes sense. I don't, I don't want to do my own. Uh, the girl is poems. Okay. Um, and so, okay, so the four words are uh, upset, which is bay in the in the Chinese. Uh, glum. Glum is cho, like to worry more, more directly. Uh, blessed is uh, she, like happy, you know, and content, which is le. Uh, and so the idea is you start the line with the girl is blank and then you have to you have to have a kind of a seven uh, a seven character uh, like kind of um, rhyming 
uh, couplet, basically, right? Uh, and did you did you notice that the did you notice that these four characters, Bei Chou Xi Le, are first, second, third, and fourth tone? Um, so it's like line one, first tone; line two, second tone; line three, third tone; line four, fourth tone. Oh, that's interesting. So there's a that's interesting. Yeah, I, I'm not sure whether that's an intentional. Thing I hadn't or not. noticed that, um, but that would be a good way to to balance the exercise out. I was going to say in the beginning that um, I wonder whether, like, where he, uh, where uh, Bao Yu got the idea for this, and I was wondering whether it's if this is kind of has a precedent. This, these these four characters are not. I know that uh, for Bao Yu's response for Cho is is not even his own line. It's it's directly lifted from a uh, from a poem. But I might be preempting myself a little bit, maybe. Well, well, we'll cover it when we come to it. Yeah. So, okay. So that's part one. Part one: compose compose a four-line poem about the girl being upset, glum, blessed, content. Okay. So part two, part two is basically you have to sing a a, a song, an improvised song, in a popular style, uh, and during that, um, Yunar is gonna accompany you on the lute again. Um, and not only that, you have to, uh, at least according to, there seems to be some divergence here in different editions of uh, Hong Lomang, the original. Uh, but the, uh, the version that Hawks is going off, you have to choose uh, some kind of object that you can see that's around them, you know, on the table or in the room. And you have to pick it up and then recite a line from from a classic, you know, from a classic poem, or from the uh, from the, the four books and five classics, uh, that that's related to this item, um, and that'll be that'll become more clear as we we run through a few examples. I think. Yeah. So the three parts are: compose the four-line poem about the girl, sing a song, then you drink a cup of wine, and then you have to yeah pick a thing on the table or in the room and. Think of a yeah some classical illusion or reference that contains that thing, uh, and so you can imagine uh, Shrepan is like immediately protesting because he's you know <laughs> yeah. he's a like like you know a uncultured uh, kind of buffoon, and so he's gonna have a hard time with this uh, this, this whole like exercise. I think it also sounds too much like hard work for him. You know, he's like, why can't we just drink? Uh, okay, yeah. you know, uh huh, uh huh. Okay, so, so Baoyu goes first, right? And his poem goes... Oh, yeah, so first of all, I mean, they prevail upon Xuepan to join in, um, you know. And so everyone will, will try their hand at it. Baoyu first. <clears throat> the girl's upset. The years pass by, but no one's claimed her yet. The girl looks glum. Her true love's gone to follow ambition's drum. The girl feels blessed. The mirror shows her looks are at their best. The girl's content. Long summer days in pleasant pastimes spent. And so everyone applauds at this, and you know, clearly a good, a good first effort to show them to kind of lead the way. Mm -hmm. um, everyone except for Shuapan, who says that he didn't understand a word. Uh, you know, um, these are all, I, I think. Uh, you know, very uh, well crafted. You almost wonder. I mean, he, it's kind of unfair if he uh, thought up this game. 
you can imagine maybe he uh, thought up his answers as well. Yeah, uh, that that would be if I was uh, that would be my like if I if I were Strapan that that would be my objection. Um, we see a lot of the same. We see a lot of the the kind of the imagery that we're um, associate we're we're kind of used to. A lot of the, for instance, in the first line, um, uh, New York Bay, Ching Chun Yi Da Shou Kong Gui. So the Gui there is the. Uh, it's the same kind of metonymical form that we metonymic form that we see over and over again, where it's um, it's it's a word designating a kind of a, an arched door, of but also um, signifying a boudoir and specifically you know a lady's chamber. So it's returning back to this idea of the uh, you know the 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 honglo, the the red chambers, the um, space of ideation and desire that we've, we've, we've talked a lot about um and actually that and actually the next line is uh nuar cho right and, and it goes hui zhao fu shu mi feng ho um which that that actual that whole line is from a tang uh poet wang changling uh who so he's kind of um, co-temporaneous with Li Bai. So he his um he was born in six ninety eight uh, to and, and he died in seven fifty six. So he's also another kind of um, Tang poet, um, more or less living at the same time with Li Bai. And I think they had some at least some limited interactions. Um, and this is and so second line uh, isn't Bao Yu's at all. It's it's a he's it's a direct quotation if you want from his um his poem uh Gui Yuan, which would be something like uh, uh boudoir lamentation something like that um i actually found a uh, an english translation of uh of Gui Yuan online the translation runs as follows it's, it's really short so i'll read it um a young wife knows no worries in her bower in spring gay dress, she mounts a jade-green tower, uh, suddenly seeing fresh willows on lake banks. She regrets sending her husband in search of rings. Um, and actually, the uh, so instead of uh, red you know, or, or crimson towers, we have jade towers, but the, the effect is kind of similar. Uh, and actually, the jade color there is it's the tsui, that we've seen a lot of, you know, in previous chapters, this kind of bluish green, uh, but also a, a term for for jade, you know, an adjective. So it's it's that last line, right, the one you mentioned. She she regrets sending her husband in search of in search of title. That that's literally what the the line reads, right? So it's you know, hui to re, to regret, oh, ho hui hui, sorry, hui to regret, jiao in this case to to like tell someone to do something, to send someone off to do something. Uh, Fu Xu being husband, and then Mi Feng Hou, Mi to search for, and Feng Hou to be like the uh, noble title, something like that, basically. So she regrets sending him off to find her. And actually, uh, and also in the previous line, you know, in, in the beginning, she doesn't worry. Ta, you know, Ta Bu Zheng Chou, she, she's never worried in the past. And so the implication is only later does she begin to. You know, have these these worries, and so kind of Bao Yu, he takes he takes a lot from this poem, which makes me think that you know maybe this was the um, in a, in a way the the insp inspiration for the whole exercise. 
um, especially because he also mentions the the Gui boudoir uh, in a previous line. So there's enough kind of um, overlap there to make me think that's kind of um, where this uh, this whole kind of exercise is coming from. The um, last line here, which in Hawks is, you know, the girl's content, long summer days and pleasant pastimes spent. Um, is I think it's certainly in the in the Chinese version that we're reading is I think it's something more specific, which is it seems to be that she is uh, on a swing, right? Chiu Qian Jia Shang Chun Shan Bo. So basically, like yeah. something like her her garments rest lightly on her as she sits on the swing, basically. So you know, it's like a very like peaceful, contented image. Um, um, I I thought that one like was very particularly very like appealing to me. That yes, that would be a great line to be able to improvise. Yeah. Right. Um, or even to write. Yeah. Um, so this is kind of a it's a good start. He gives a good model for the um for the rest of them to follow. Uh. <laughs> so so. I have to I have to mention it each time, but how much do we have in the way of male projection here? Do you think? Okay, yeah, that's good. We shouldn't we shouldn't simply um, we shouldn't entirely play their game. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, there's a whole tradition uh, in in at least in in Chinese poetry, but I, I imagine also in other uh, literary traditions of um, male writers writing poetry from the perspective of lovers or wives who are you know anxiously at home uh waiting for the return of their um, significant other right this goes all the way back to the beginning uh you'll find this in the uh the classical poetry event right it's actually uh, figures prominently in the shujing right and so the question is you know it's just is it projection all the way down <laughs> <laughs> i feel like i feel like there might be some projection here i don't know I mean, some the the last two lines. I feel like are well. I I feel this is maybe less true. You know, like sitting in front of the mirror and looking at yourself and thinking like, I look pretty good. I mean, that I don't know. I feel like that's uh, that does seem more kind of believable to me. And the kind of happily sitting on the swing, likewise. But but yeah, I I, I don't know something about the. I I thought it was much less so in. Baoyu's poems than maybe some of the other offerings, mm. okay. um, but there was certainly like a a shade of it maybe. Um, I I think we see it probably more in in the other uh, in the yeah. other uh, upcoming poets maybe. We'll, we'll see who is uh, yeah. Maybe a comparison will will kind of um help relativize things. So would you like to read the the song that he sings? You don't need to sing it. <laughs> okay. Just read it aloud. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to. Um, and actually, this is important because it, it, this this song clearly speaks to... Um, this kind of uh, supports my thesis from a moment ago that uh, he is still mulling over his interactions with Daiyu. Um, and so, and so Baoyu sings. Uh, still weeping tears of blood about our separation... Little red love beans of my desolation. Still blooming flowers I see outside my window growing. Still awake in the dark I hear the wind a-blowing. Still, oh still, I can't forget those old hopes and fears. Still can't swallow food and drink. 
because I'm choked with tears. Mirror, mirror on the wall, tell me it's not true. Do I look so thin and pale? Do I look so blue? <laughs> it sounds a little bit like uh, Dr. Seuss for a moment there. Okay. Mirror, mirror, <laughs> yeah. this long night, how shall I get through? Oh, oh, oh. Blue as the mist upon the distant mountains. Blue as the water in the ever-flowing fountains. <laughs> and then there's a general applause, except for Shrepan, who objected there, there was no rhythm. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> This scene's really funny. Uh, he, it's it's like really uh, like satisfying to have um, Shrepan be like the, the uh, kind of like a know, curmudgeon, the, the butt of the joke. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, right, right, right. And then he 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 picks up a, a slice of pear from the table, uh, Bao Yu, that is, and he has a, a the following quotation. Rain whips the pear tree, shut fast the door. And so thus ends his turn, you know? So he's, he's completed his own, he's completed the challenge that he set for himself. Um, yes. So the reference, um, it's from um, a poet of the Northern Song Dynasty, Qian uh, Guan. Um, the line, it's, it's from a, a couplet. Um, the first line is, uh, Yu, sorry, so this is the Yu is a, a cuckoo, Shengsheng is the sound of the cuckoo, and Ren Bu Wen is like, can't bear to hear it, basically. So I can't bear to hear the sound of the cuckoo. Uh, and it then it continues, Yu uh, Huang Hun. So as evening approaches, Yu Da Li Hua Shen Bi Men. So as, uh, as the rain strikes the pear flower, seal shut, like, like, deeply deeply lock the door seal yeah seal shut the door kind of thing um and so it's a it's a poem very much about kind of sadness and internal turmoil i think you know the the imagery is very much of of um not kind of placid contentment at all but but um you know a real um uh disharmony at one's core mm. you know? and you know that's important because the the cuckoo uh, imagery figured prominently in uh, Dayu's uh, poem um, where she, she kind of mentions the the figure, she references the figure of um, uh, Du Yu uh, who's a kind of a, a semi uh, mythological ruler uh, dating all the way back to I think maybe the 11th century BC um, who was said to uh, you know lived such a grievous life that he uh uh he transformed into a, a a cuckoo and he would um cry tears of blood um and this might be a reference to sort of the um the kind of unmelodic or grievous sound that cuckoos make there might be a kind of um you know a natural basis to this myth um and he was also became associated in various ways with um, the harvest season, mm. um, and so that was directly referenced back in in Dai Yu's um, kind of song for the flowers, uh, and so that kind of reinforces this idea that he he's still reflecting on Dai Yu um, and, and his uh, and their own kind of their conflict. So so um, what about the song? What did you think of his song? I'm looking here if there's any uh, like new images. We see a lot of the same 
you know the the image of the mirror and the flower before the mirror that goes all the way back to uh to chapter five um so i see kind of a continuation he's kind of um you know variations on a theme in, in a way yeah yeah there's this one image that w in the song when he's talking about being before the mirror the the specific type of mirror that they mention is uh a ling hua jing which is literally like a caltrop flower mirror um i did some reading on it apparently long in the past when i guess mirror making techniques were less um developed or precise you would sometimes have some like impurities or dents or things in the mirror um which would cast small shadows when light shone on them and the shape of those shadows apparently was similar to the way a caltrop seed looks which is kind of small and spiky um and so apparently that's the reason for the for the for the name of it, and and now it's just kind of by association, like any oh, any kind of any kind of mirror. But it's interesting here because there's a yeah there's a reference. I think you've mentioned it in in chapter five. So in the in the dream sequence in uh, kind of early on in the story, there's a line about I think caltrop glass which melts the snow in one of the poems associated with Bali. Interesting. Um, and so I kind of thought back to that at the time. I wonder if that is a kind of a uh, an oblique reference to uh, Inglian, uh, uh, Shangling, the, the character Caltrop. Um, Quite possibly, yeah. Which is interesting because, you know, a, a Caltrop would be, um, it's often on, a, it's it's kind of a water plant, right? It's on the, the surface of the water often. Yeah. Um, and so, and the water is itself... Um, another reflective surface and actually right next to the image of the mirror in chapter five there is the the moon reflected in the water um so maybe there's a kind of um a consistency there i believe so yeah um and you know caltrop is also going to be an important character even though we haven't seen too much of her yet uh she's kind of appeared here and there in kind of critical moments um there, there was one other thing that i wanted to pick out as well which is um there's a line it somehow doesn't really come through in the in the Hawks. It's maybe the line about being thin and pale, um, but the 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 line in the Chinese is "jian bu kai de mei tou." I think it is. So, mei tou there being like eyebrows, which will not like un uncrease themselves or unknit themselves, kind of thing. Uh, you know, being unable to stop yourself from frowning. Um, and and when I thought of that, I thought of. <clears throat> the the nickname Frowner, which is given to oh, okay. Dayu. So even though it doesn't reference the same characters, it, it suggests kind of some of the same um, general imagery. Um, um, so I thought again, maybe that was an oblique reference to her. Right. Um, yeah, it's it's really good to, you know, this is one of these moments where, uh, uh, yeah, like Hawks's fidelity to rhyming uh, ends up obscuring some like kind of like important uh images and so for the purpose of this podcast i i think it's uh kind of it's really useful to um to make sure we cover like important things that uh are for better or for worse lost in translation there, there is also that one image in the first line about these kind of red beans like drops of blood kind of image um and this is kind of a complex image um, a, it uses this term um, which is kind of like uh, yearning or longing for someone um, but then similar uh, like there, there is a kind of bean 
a small red bean, basically, which is called a Xiang Si Zi. So it's the same character, but with Zi on the end. Uh, known, I think, as a rosary pea, because it resembles like a small rosary bead. Um, they're kind of red with uh, small black dots. Um, and which are apparently a symbol of like love and longing, and they're sometimes kind of mounted in jewelry. So this kind of complicated, in that one line, there's this interrelationship between the idea of yearning, the idea of these red beans which represent yearning, and the idea of drops of blood which look like the beans, you which know, which are yearning, but are also tied to this other this other image of of, of teardrops on teardrops on flower petals resembling like drops of blood themselves somehow. And also, uh, uh, Dayu as herself, the the crimson pearl, right? So that's the that's, that'll be a red, oh, of course, a red pearl, you know. And, and so every you know every drop is a kind of a, a fractal representation of her uh, crimson pearl essence, if you want.